a mentor and a friend of mine for probably 20 <laughs> years, over 20 years. And uh, he was the uh, district supervisor when I was uh, here on staff uh, before I left and then came back as the lead pastor. And I got a phone call from him one day. And, and he said, Jay, he said, there's a conference for young leaders in, in Los Angeles. He goes, I believe in you. I believe what the Lord's going to do in your life. And he goes, I want to sponsor you. I want to pay for you and Heather to go to California to be a part of this conference. And interestingly enough, the, uh, the person leading this workshop conference was Daniel Brown, who you guys know, yeah, <laughs> who comes here every year. And uh, so uh, Pastor Larry's the one that introduced me to Pastor Daniel. And, uh, and thank you for investing in our life. That meant so much to us, uh, just beginning in ministry, that you and Sue believed in us so much. And uh, he, or, he oversaw my ordination uh, service and ordained me for ministry. And, and so since I've been here as a lead pastor, I've wanted to bring uh, Larry and Sue in. And that he's been a district supervisor for a number of years in the Pacific Northwest. And now he serves uh, overseas church health. And he's our national pastor for the Foursquare Churches in North America. And uh, he happened to be at men's camp this weekend uh, up at Camp Palm de Terre. And, and so we finagled, and I got him away from camp this morning. And so he was able to be here uh, with us in both services and just so thankful for that. I want him to come back in a few months and, and bring Sue with him. Heather just loves Sue and uh, can't wait for them to all be together when she's feeling better. And just so glad that Pastor Larry's here. Will you guys give him a big uh, Grace Thank you. Church welcome this morning? Thanks for Thank being you, here. Jay. You. Love you. Love you. Well, what a blessing to be here. I've been looking forward to it, uh, Jay, and I. I've had this conversation for quite some time about coming and joining you. And uh, Springfield's one of my favorite places. Uh, I had the opportunity to, as Jay said, to be the district supervisor over the former Midwest district that took in this area. So about three, four weeks every summer, I would be at the camp, uh, our camp over near. Uh, on the other side of Pittsburgh, and it was a, a great time. And I always made my local pilgrim every, every week, my annual pilgrimage into Springfield, good oriental food, enjoyed the food, loved it, and then my hour or two browsing in the Bass Pro Shop. I mean, I, I just get lost in there, and Sue just let me go, and I'd wander around, look at all the boy toys, and, 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 and wish and dream, and, and it was a great experience. And so to come back, boy, your city has grown. I was talking to somebody in the first service, they said, yeah, and the traffic stinks. <laughs> That's kind of what comes with it, isn't it? Well, it's a joy to be with you, and I wish my wife was here. I want you to know when, I'm al- when she's along with me, my stock goes up big time. I mean, she is an amazing lady. She's at home, and uh, we live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, she's at home, uh, kind of man in the fort. Uh, we are, we're, I'm thankful right now she's in the process of writing her first book, and uh, that's kind of made me a, a bachelor for a while. When she gets into a project, man, she just goes into it. So I can't wait till she finishes, but it's a, it's a tremendous gift that she has to us. We've been married 42 years and have a set of kids that have been 15 years now, and, uh, uh, and they're holding our, kids, our grandkids hostage in, in, the, in the Czech Republic. They live in Prague. And, uh, and we have another set of kids, a pastor in uh, Frederick, Maryland, we're just very thankful for this season of our life, and 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 Jane have Jane Heather have been a very important part of our lives for many many years. I just finished a, a time at men's camp, tremendous. Kansas and Missouri came together for a men's camp. 
never seen so many, so many guys consume much, so much meat at one time. In my, I thought it was so funny yesterday we had this, I mean, there was this banquet of hamburgers and hot dogs and things like that. There's this gigantic bowl of salad. Nobody touched it. I mean, I just thought, this says something right here, you know, <laughs> right here. And, and the, you know, all afternoon, I mean, shooting and fishing and, and, and every kind of sport you can imagine. I mean, it was, it was a great time. And it was also a time when men really encountered God. There's nothing like a room full of a couple hundred guys that are just worshiping Jesus Christ with all their heart. It was an amazing thing. Uh, very thankful, though, to be here with you and appreciate, Jay, you allowing me to come. Interesting time we're living in today, isn't it? You say interesting is a really uh, kind of a... Matter of fact, every day I get up and I, in the morning and I pull out my iPhone and I thought, okay, what happened last night? I mean, it's just like, what front are we, are, are we dealing with today? And, 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 and many of us say, I had no idea the world that I lived in 20 years ago. I had no idea this is where we'd be. How many of you ever do feel that way? I, I came to know Jesus Christ. Uh, it, was, it was fun to be at the camp uh, because that's where I came to know Jesus Christ as a 17-year-old boy who came to a church camp. And I was so, such a joy to stand before the men on the first night and say, I want you to know, that see this spot on the floor right here? When Right there is when my life was transformed, at that spot on that floor. And at that time, it wasn't a floor. It was a revival tent that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. On. And to see that the world we were in then, who would have thought we would be here now. It was kind of the early throes of the Jesus people movement. Any of you remember that? Uh, some of you look like you might be old enough. And uh, Jay introduced me in the first service. He shared about all the areas of our long-term relationship. And I got up and I said, you know, well, by the time you finish, I feel, I, I feel like you just, I, I'm as old as dirt, man. I mean, it has <laughs> been around so long. But the Jesus people movement was an amazing time. I went to school in Los Angeles to Bible College. It was about 1970. Uh, all it was like this this radical, uh, what would I say, anti everything generation that had dropped out against Vietnam, against everything. Uh, it, it was the free love generation. All this was going on in the midst of this. God poured out His Spirit upon a generation. It was amazing. We'd go out on Sunset Strip and share Jesus with people and and they were getting saved and everybody seemed to be open and we used to pick up people who are hitchhiking and, and and just so we could witness to them we wouldn't let them out till they got saved i mean you would i'm sorry i don't know how to get where you're going stay in and we'd just go around till they'd give their heart to jesus and it was an amazing time and it was all this urgency jesus is coming back any moment and and and, and we were, we were reading the book, Late Great Planet Earth, and Hal Lindsey, and, and, and we were just sure the Lord had come back any, any second now. Now it's almost 50 years later, but I want you to know, we're living in the end times of the end times. What I see going on in the news 
and say, wow, I read that in the Bible. How about you? And how do we now live as a people in a time like this? How do we, how do we keep a, a credible faith? I, I, I see so many today say, I don't, I don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring. Our economy is so, so, so changing. There's the rumors that actually technology is going to downsize so many companies. We're bringing companies back into the United States, but at the same time they're saying a lot of those companies are bringing technology and they really won't be employing that many people. Machines are taking over. And you just—and I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying this is the world we live in. And on global fronts, what's going on in France right now? What the the terrorist bombs, all bombings all over Europe? It's almost shootings in schools and on in marketplaces. You go, what is what is this all about? How do we be a people who walk in faith in Jesus Christ? I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews today because I want to talk about how do we keep a genuine faith in a time when it seems like everything that can be shaken is getting shook. It's getting shook real well. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 here, Hebrews 11, I'll start with, uh, with verse 1. The writer of the Hebrews is, is talking about how to have a genuine, a real faith. What, what is the kind of faith that God is looking for? And I think we've gone through about, oh, may, maybe two or three decades in, in the body of Christ where, where we came out of a time maybe 20 or 30 years ago where the church was pretty popular. It was, it was growing. It was big. It was bigger is better. There's these large mega churches, and a lot of that's still going on. But it, a lot of the focus of the body of Christ had to do with how we align ourselves to God so he's able to bless us. And I don't, I don't, I don't have any problem with that necessarily. But I think one of the things I realized in my own personal life is a lot of focus was how I align my life for his blessing instead of how I become a blessing. How do I please God? How do I bring God pleasure? Because he's brought so much to me. He's brought so much pleasure to my life. How do I please God on a, on a daily basis? And here, the scripture says it's the way we really bring God pleasure is by faith. By faith. It's by believing, by trusting. I was reading the other day in my in my devotion, I think it's Psalms 147, verse 12. It says, The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him, and those who await his gracious favor. Fear is that, that awe like we're in worship. You're amazing, God. And then those and people who are willing to, to wait on God to do what only God can. And here in Hebrews, it talks about this God-pleasing faith. And I want to kind of lay the foundation of what we're going to talk about. You know, most of the time when pastors share, they save the punchline towards the end. I'm going to give it to you right at the beginning, okay? 
And I'll just cut to the chase. I want you to know that I believe that a true God-pleasing faith is a faith where we cannot determine the outcome. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. The kind of faith that brings God pleasure is the kind of faith that we can't guarantee the outcome. You say, well, why would, why would you say that, Pastor? The, the Scripture says things, and if, if we... If we pray and if we confess and if we stand in faith and if we believe and the scripture says, then, then God's, God's bound by his word to do it. I, I, I claim that in Jesus. And I, and I don't want to in, in any way undermine any of that kind of understanding of what the Bible says, but I want you to know that there's a kind of faith that God has called his church to in this season that is beyond that kind of faith. Let me read and we'll come back and bring that more into application. Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is how the ancients were commended. In other words, the patriarchs of the Old Testament had a kind of faith that God was pleased with. Men like Abraham and, and Moses, it was a kind of faith that pleased God. He said, it's, a, it's the faith that, that could actually see, think, see something in the Spirit. It was, it's like it had substance before it even came to pass. He goes on to say, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in a holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Here the scripture talks about three very three people that are, oh, what would I say, patriarchs. Three patriarchs, of, uh, and it, it refers to them in the first few verses here in, in Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about Abel, Cain and Abel, you know, the brothers. Enoch, an old gentleman who went to be with the Lord by his faith. And Noah someone who believed God. The interesting thing, these said, it says right here in the Scripture, these are three men whose faith pleased God. It's interesting to see that Abel's God-pleasing faith, what was the outcome of Abel's God-pleasing faith? He died. What was the outcome 
of Enoch's God-pleasing faith. He never died. And what was the outcome of Noah's God-pleasing faith? Everybody else died. What a trip. Same kind of faith in each situation. A kind of faith that believed in God, trusted God, stood for God, and the outcome was totally different in each situation. You kind of say, what? What is that all about? I always thought when, when you believe God, you've got to have this positive final outcome. That these are three men who believed God. One died, one never died, and the other, everybody around him died. That blows me away. It brings me to the place where I realize that, relation, that faith is more relational than we would think. I think we've come through a time when faith has been more transactional. Faith is something you use to get from God. You have faith so that you can pray and believe and get this, and, and you can have faith and you pray and you bind this, and you pray in faith for, for healing or deliverance or things like that. Faith's about transacting business with God. But I want you to know, I don't think that's what the God plays in faith that's talked about here is made up. Because actually, much of our teaching on faith that we've, ex- we've seen expressed today is a teaching about how do we get what we want from God. And really what the Scripture teaches us is that faith's purpose is to usher us in a deeper relationship with God. It's about relationship. God wants to deepen our relationship with Him. God God finds pleasure in a deeper relationship with us. And I think the key to this is is kind of boiled down in in verse 6. Simple verse. And uh, one day I was reading in my my personal devotions, and I was just reading through this portion of Scripture like I had many, many times before. And I came to this verse 6. And have you ever found that God installs speed bumps in your Bible? You just read long, what was that, you know? And if you stop and back up, there's something for you there. But most of the time, we've got to finish, so we blah, 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 blah. But if you stop, next time the speed bump is there, see what God is trying to bring to your attention. And as I was reading this, God, God brought this very simple scripture that I knew I could quote it uh, backwards and forwards, but he brought this to my my heart, and he said, there's something here for you that I want you to discover about the kind of faith that pleases me. And it says, verse 6 says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God or bring him pleasure. I, I like that even better. Because many times when we, we talk about the pleasing God, it's almost like, okay, what, what hoop do I need to jump to? What thing do I need to do? What axle do I need to grease? How do I, how do I somehow make God happy with me? I want you to know Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've invited Jesus in your heart, I want you to know He's delighted with you. It's a settled issue.
loves you. It's not, not conditional. It's not based on your performance. He's blessed to have you as his child. And it's interesting here in the scripture how, how plain it makes that it says the kind of faith that brings God pleasure is one, first of all, it says that we believe that he is. And I remember as I was reading through this and kind of ways, I believe him. I believe that you're God. I've always, I mean, from the time I was a little kid, I grew up as a, in, in, in Nebraska. I'm a corn husker. Grew up in a little town. I mean, our town, our town was so small, I could put my senior class in a, in a large station wagon and we could cruise Maine, which was two blocks long. <laughs> we would get dizzy before we got tired, you know, of, of cruising Maine. I mean, it was... It was a small town. There was a cornfield on each side, and it, it, was, it was a typical Nebraska small farm town. But I remember even as a young boy, uh, not knowing a lot about, about uh, God, going to a mainline. There was two churches in town. One was a Catholic, and one was a United Methodist. And since we weren't Catholic, we had to be United Methodist. That isn't bad or good. It's just, I, in all those early years, I'd never heard the gospel. I heard about God, but I didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. And I remember as a young boy walking out in the cornfields and, and, and just in times of exploring as a kid and somehow knowing God's real and I don't know what to do about it. So I said, I, I said Lord, I, I know you exist. And there is this kind of three dimensions of belief in God. The first dimension, it's kind of, that place of, 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 of believing the God out there. And that's what I, as a young boy, I was the God out there. And that's kind of, I, I sometimes call it the truck driver God, the big guy upstairs, you know. Everything is, you know, it's yeah, the big man, you know. And, and he, he, he once in a while reaches down here and saves me from this situation. It's kind of the foxhole God. When, you, when you're pushed, you're, you're in a definite dangerous situation. You call out to God and he rescues you and you go, you know, okay, back with my life. There's a God out there. Or for, for more of a younger generation, it's kind of the force that's with you, you know. Or in the Matrix, it's, you know, I mean, you could go through, every generation kind of relates to their God. It's God out there. And then as you move in your spiritual life and come to know Jesus Christ, you realize that God sent His Son, and, and the first thing is you fall in love with the Jesus that came to this earth, and it's kind of the baby Jesus in the manger, and, and, and He is so lovable. God, that kid's cute. Yeah, not very threatening. Just a little baby Jesus. But the more you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you come into a developing relationship where you begin to to discover the God that is by His Spirit inside you. And God does this radical relocation for somehow being out there to putting His presence right in here. And we learn to walk with Him. In John 14, Jesus said, uh, is telling His disciples in the last hours of His life, He said, I'm going, I'm going to be leaving. And they're looking like, yeah, leave, you're the Messiah. I mean, you were prophesied. You're coming, you're staying. 
We're gonna, the world's going to change. I'm establishing the kingdom of God's going to be. Jesus, you got it messed up. You're staying. And Jesus says, no, I'm going. But I want you to know I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending a comforter. And in the, in the Greek language, it says, it actually, when it says, I'm, I'm sending you a comforter, it says, I'm sending you another one like me. He says, I'm going, but I'm, I'm staying too. But this other one like me isn't going to walk beside you. He's going to be in you. It's a relationship with God. He's calling us to. And, and, and so I was transacting this with the Lord and saying, Lord, you must, believe, you must believe that He is. And I'm saying, God, I, I believe that You are. And he's saying, no, you, you must believe that I am God and You're not. See, a lot of times we would like to say I, I, what I pray, and I, and I even this week at men's camp, there were men that were dealing some, with some very serious problems health-wise. I had one man come to me and he says, I have a, a, have a heart disease condition and, and I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. And I want you to know we prayed for his healing. We believe in God will touch him. But I can't guarantee the outcome. I have faith. By the same time, I don't know the length of his life. Matter of fact, the scripture says that our, the days of our lives are numbered. See, God is God and I'm not. He sees from a bigger perspective, a bigger picture. He understands that sometimes when I go through difficulties, they have divine purpose. Because if I don't walk through this, God has not had an opportunity to bring comfort and grace to me so that a year down the road, I run into somebody who's dealing with a similar situation. I can say, I, I know you can get through this because God meant me and he gave me comfort. See, that's, more, that's, that's moving away from a formulistic religious God. That's having a relationship with a real Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of relationship that brings God pleasure. You must believe that God is God and we're not. I pray, I believe, I stand, I bind, I lose, I petition, I intercede. But when it's all said and done, God is God and I'm not. And I can't guarantee the outcome. And if it isn't the outcome I thought it would be, then I get to trust, I get to have faith. When I do that, the Lord says, man, you bring me pleasure. Does that make sense to you? We must believe that He is God and we're not. And I love the second part of there. And He is a rewarder. This is, at first you kind of go through this, oh my gosh, it's kind of fatalism. Whatever happens, you know, happens. No, He's a good God. He's a rewarder God. He doesn't toy with our lives. He doesn't play. We're His kids. He loves us. I don't. I, I. I wouldn't let bad things happen to my kids for no purpose. For his kids, but I also want you to know, even my kids, I can't. I don't spare them from everything. Some of my greatest, my the greatest life lessons in my kids' lives have been things I couldn't save them from. Wanted to. 
probably could intervene, but it wasn't in their best interest. And if I, an earthly father, how much a God who sees from beginning to end knows that if this doesn't happen, then four years down the road, this can happen, and then this can happen. And, and, and this is the important part, and, and your spiritual life is not about you alone. Your life is interconnected with the people all over the planet. And if, if God doesn't have his way in your life and in my life, how is he going to have his way through our life to touch all the lives around us? How important it is that we understand he's a good God. It's always for our good. We, we rehearsed this, the story of... Uh, and, and I'll, just make it really short. In Genesis chapter chapter thirty six, it talks about Joseph betrayed by his brothers, the number you know, the beloved son, betrayed, thrown, sold into slavery, and and then later for standing for a righteous cause of not sleeping with Potiphar's wife who had the make on him, is then thrown into prison, spends fourteen years in prison. And, and at the end of his 14 years, last two, three years, has actually some men thrown in prison with him, interprets their dreams. They promise him to get out. They break their promise. All this happens. And this poor Joseph was like, what about me, God? You promised me a long time ago. You had a plan for my life. You gave me a dream. And he stayed true to that. And he stayed pure in that. And in one day, God took Joseph from the prison to the palace. It was a 14-year journey, but in one day, he took him from the prison to the palace. He put him at the right hand of the Pharaoh so that when the children of Israel, who were starving to death because of a famine, when his brothers who betrayed him came, Joseph could give them food because if, they hadn't, if he hadn't been in that position, the children of Israel would have starved and we wouldn't have had a Messiah. Figure that one out. That's the kind of God we serve. He's a good God. He's a mystery, but he's a good God. God is God. He's a good God. And I love this last part. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. The rewarder. He's a good God. Turn to somebody next to you and say, He's a good God. Go ahead. You can talk. Talk to the person next to you and say, He's a good God. He's a good God. Some of you aren't quite too concerned, convinced that yet. <laughs> then the reason I, I, I probably I, I shouldn't have laughed because some of you probably aren't say, are saying to yourself, matter of fact, I feel in my spirit there's some of you saying, if this is his goodness, he can take his goodness and take a hike. Because I don't think I'm experiencing a lot of it right now. I can tell you he's not done yet. He is a good God. And if you'll walk in faith with him, the scripture guarantees that the rewarding good God bring an outcome. It will bring him pleasure. And I want you to whatever pleases God's going to please us. 
It's an interesting thing. He's a good God. He's not angry. He isn't mad at anybody. Sometimes I think God, do you ever have days when you think God's kind of halfway ticked off at you? I didn't read my Bible enough. I, I missed my devotional time. The, the kids got up too early and I didn't get any time with Jesus. And, and, and I, 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 where is my Bible? <laughs> I lost that thing. I'm off to go and I can't find it. You know, and, and, and it's like, and I, sh- I, sh- I told so and so I was going to pray for them every and I haven't been praying. Oh my gosh, Lord. I know you're kind of hacked off at me, and I'm so, I'm so sorry. And I'm sure he's not angry with you. He's not angry with you. But I don't. But you, I don't pray enough, and I don't read my Bible. And let me ask you a question: How much is enough? Any of you find enough yet? Me neither. All I know is the more I, when I take the enough off of it and I listen to my heart, I find myself there more often. Every time I spend time with him, it draws me to want to spend more time with him. And when I, when I, instead of being driven to him, I'm drawn to him. See, the whole Christian life is about relationship. It isn't about performance. We've got it all screwed up. God is not impressed with what we can do for him. He's delighted in what his son has done for us. He's a good God. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And sometimes that diligently seek him can be a catcher because it it, it pushes us towards performance. We we, we want to perform. When it talks about diligently seeking him, it's talking about a craving inside, a deep desire for more. I want you to know about three years ago in my spiritual life, and I've walked with the Lord for about 47 years now. About three years ago, I started experiencing spiritual dryness. I was reading my Bible. I was doing all the things I've been doing for years, and I was faithful. I just started experiencing spiritual, and I, I, I was just saying, God, maybe I need to do more, so I'd ride, read more, and I'd, I'd pray more, and I was, it wasn't working for me. And so I have a spiritual uh, director, uh, a father in the faith, and he said, I'm going to challenge you to do something. He said, you won't do it, but I'm going to challenge you to do it. Well, that's for a Nebraska boy, that's like saying, sick him to a dog, you know. Every time he'd say, now I'm going to challenge you, but you won't do it. I'm saying, will too, will too. You know, I, inside, I, I'm, go, I'm going to do it. And he said this about three times. I'd say, well, then tell me what you're challenging me. He says, I'm challenging you to just spend 20 minutes of silence and solitude with God every day. I can do that. I can do that. I said, okay. And I go my my... <laughs> First day after being with him, I sit down. I go into my private room with the Lord. You need to have a space where you meet with God. And I have, in a kind of our TV room, and I have a, my favorite recliner. And I sit down on the floor at the base of my recliner. You say, "Well, I," and I cross, it's kind of cross-legged. And you say, "Why would you do that?" Because if I sit in my recliner, I fall asleep. None of you could relate to that at all. <laughs> yeah. But I want you to know, sleep's okay. Read the Gospels and see how much Jesus slept. He's sleeping in the boat. He's sleeping a lot. There's nothing wrong with sleep. 
Every once in a while, I talk to, the, I, I talk to pastors I care for. I said, the word of the Lord is, go to bed. The word of the Lord is, for this season, I want you to take a nap. Matter of fact, there's a psalm that says, God will even give to his beloved while they sleep. Whoa, that blow you away. So I, t- I took my phone. I sat down on, on the floor. I took my phone. I said, 20 minutes. Okay, I'm set here. And I put it down beside me. And, it's, and he said, oh, and, and when he said, this, this is not prayer time. This is wordless prayer. I'm going, I'm a Pentecostal evangelical. I do words. I don't, you know. I pray in tongues. I I speak. I bind. I loose. I I you know. I am an intercessor. I I I don't. I do words. And and it, I no words. He said, "I just want you to sit with God, like 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 Jesus is sitting right across from you, and just be quiet. Don't talk." I guess I can do that. Set the phone. Waiting. My mind is like a monkey in the trees. It's going everywhere, you know. You're sitting there trying to spend time with God, and you just, oh, yeah, I need to change the oil on my car, you know. And, and I, I need to polish my shoes, and I, I, I you know, and, and I rake the lead, and I'm going, where are these thoughts coming? And, and it was just out of control. I, and I'm just bringing it back, bringing it back all the time, over and over again, till finally... I made it through the first week. It was a disaster. I felt worse at the end than when I started. And I went to God and I said, God, all I, this isn't working for me. I think I said something like, I'm not Catholic and I'm not a monk. And this stuff does not work for me. And do you ever have times when God just goes quiet on you? <laughs> it's, it's not working for me. Just like the still small whisper, the Lord said, "Really, it's working for me just fine." It's the first time in forty-seven years of walking with the Lord I realized deep in my heart that He just wants to spend time with me. He just likes. He doesn't need all my effort. He doesn't need all my stuff. He just likes being with me. My wife and I have been married 43 years, and sometimes we'll go, so let's go for a drive. We'll drive for an hour. We don't talk. But we have this amazing conversation. We're looking out. We're just enjoying Because there's something more than words. Then God is turning the heart of his people. First of all, he's helping us to understand the deep longing in our heart to have a God-pleasing faith and not just to become a part of a Christian blessing club. I've been there, done that, have the t-shirt, don't want to know that. But to be in the presence and day by day, moment by moment, be in the presence God who created the universe. The God who's God, and I don't have to be today. The God that's a good God, 
And all I have to do is be with him. And he will reward my life. That's a good thing. Well, I need to finish real quick here. Follow the end of, oh, let me see, chapter 11 here. If just In chapter 11, goes on from verse uh, 8 here. It talks about Abraham, and it talks about a great faith of Abraham, and it goes on to talk about Jacob and Isaac and, and Sarah, and, and, and it finally comes down to verse 32, and it says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions and quenched the fury of flames and escaped the edge of the sword, who, who became powerful in battle and routed the armies. And I said, yeah, that's my team. Those are the people I'm a part of and everything. And then it goes on to say, others who were tortured and refused to be released so that they might have a better resurrection. Some faced jeering and flogging. Whilst the others were chained and put in prison, they were stoned, and they were sawned too. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for. You know, the last part, normally, if in our, in our Western Christian church, if you talk about people who had all that stuff happening, you say, where's your faith? Where's your relationship with God? If you really walk with God, you'd be delivered from that stuff. <laughs> Here it says these people that went through all that and were commended because they were people of faith. As these were all commended for their fate, yet none of these received what had been promised. God had planted something, planned something better for them and for us, that only together we could be made perfect. In other words, it's all about his coming kingdom. If you think you're going to get all your desires met, all your needs met, if you think this world is all about being blessed, you are sorely mistaken. It's about times when we go through pain, we go through brokenness, and we find him in ways that are dearer and more special. There's time he rescues us, there's a time we're on the winning team. It's all, it, it's all of the, but, but that's relationship, that's life. I don't want to give you Western Christianity, I want to talk to you about the life of Jesus Christ in genuine relationship with him. God is God. We're not. And he's a good God. He rewards those who diligently seek him, his presence. By your There are some of you here this morning who might really be struggling with this message. 
I understand because I struggled with it before you. I somehow want God to to be so understandable and the fact is God is God and I'm not and He's a mystery. There are some things I know He loves me. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. You can't do any more than that. And then we won't quit on you. I know He'll never leave or forsake me. Even as Joseph in the prison, for years and years, God was there with him so that at the right time, he could put him in the right place to be a divine provision for God's people. I want to speak words of healing for some of you who feel like you have been disappointed by God. I believed, I I stood, I did the right thing, and I got screwed for. I had a friend, I trusted them, I believed they betrayed me. I was in a relationship and it fell apart and I called on God and He was supposed to rescue and He didn't. I wish I could explain all of that, but I'm not God. I can tell you that as you continue to seek Him, He will be pleased in your faith. And that pleasure, God's pleasure, will become your pleasure. Because the plans He has for us are plans for good, for a future, and a hope yet to be revealed. If you're here this morning and maybe you've been carrying some baggage for a long time, I don't know if you know Jesus or not, I always first give that opportunity. If you haven't surrendered your life to Him, then it's about time to stop trying to make it all work on your own and give Him a chance. (laughs) Give Him control. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity for the first step. That's what this is. It's just the first step to a life of discipleship. But the first step is to say, Jesus, I need I surrender to you. You are my Savior. And I make you my Lord. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up and down and say, that's me this morning. I want to make that step. Give opportunity. I won't wait long. But I always give opportunity because I was one of those who sat in a room like this that needed to respond a number of years ago. Anyone? Second, some of you who who would say, you know, it's not working out like I thought it was. Supposed to. And I've got to say, I'm I'm dealing with some trust issues. And I want Jesus Christ to heal those broken parts of my heart, in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand up and down and say, that's me this morning? Yes. Others? Yes. Many hands going up. Yes. Jesus sees those hands. Pastor Jam, I'm going to ask you to come in a moment here and pray for your congregation. And we're going to believe that the Lord is going to take these steps of faith. That's what it is, steps of faith. Believing in something that can't be yet seen.
and bringing substance that's yet to be revealed. Pastor Jay. If that's you this morning, if, if you need to receive that from the Lord, would you just open up your hands before the Lord, just right in front of you, as just a sign of receiving from Him. Lord, with open hands and open hearts today, Lord, Lord, we confess points of bitterness, of anger, of frustration. And Lord, we ask for your healing touch in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, would you pour out the oil of the Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, in those hard places in our heart. Lord, would you soften them? Lord, would you take a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh today, Lord? Lord, would you minister? Lord, would you bring comfort? Lord, we want to trust again, Lord. We want to trust again. And so, Lord, we just invite you and your presence and your power and your restoration into our hearts and to our lives, and we receive, and we say, yes, Jesus. Would you even say, would you say, yes, Jesus? Just say, I receive Jesus. I receive from you, Lord. Just tell him, say, I receive healing from you, Jesus. Even now, he's ministering to you. He's touching you. He's restoring. He's restoring those broken places. We thank you for that, Lord.